Hey everyone, welcome back to another really exciting episode of Voice of Crypto. And today we have with us a really special guest, Tara Anison. Um, Tara is the Head of Technical Crypto Advisory at Elliptical. And uh, she's our esteemed guest here today. Hi, Tara. Really happy to have you on our show tonight. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat all things crypto. <laughs> Same here. Voice of Crypto is a podcast about all things crypto, blockchain, and Web3. Uh, before we start off, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our viewers. What are you currently doing, Tara? So I am um, Head of Technical Crypto Advisory at Elliptic. I'm basically our chief nerd here. So I have the wonderful job of uh, leading our education internally and externally. So with uh, lots of clients, people across the industry, uh, as well as making sure all of our staff are up to date on the crazy goings on in this a thousand mile an hour industry. And then just being a bit of a touch point across uh, product, engineering, regulation, anywhere that needs to essentially be able to answer the question of like, what is happening in the industry? How does this work? Uh, all those kind of things. So yeah, uh, yeah. really exciting role, uh, which is very much based sure on uh, understanding the industry. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So what does elliptical do? Elliptic, sorry. Yeah. Um, so we're a crypto compliance company, which means that we uh, basically are like the crypto police, essentially. So we're helping mm -hmm. you understand who you're interacting with on uh, various right. different blockchain based assets. So let's say you're an exchange and you're taking mm -hmm. deposits from customers. You want to be able to know that you're not accepting a deposit from a criminal that maybe right. got that Bitcoin from a dark market mm -hmm. or you're not a service that is allowing a sanctioned actor, for instance, to mm. send funds through you. Okay. So all of these different participants in the space will use our transaction monitoring wallet um, screening software to basically ask the question, who is this transaction involving? Yeah. Are they you know, broad buckets, but good or bad? So make mm -hmm. sure that you can accept crypto, send crypto with that comfort of knowing that you're not interacting with a bad actor. Right. Well, while I will get to my uh, question that I do have in mind. Um, people say that <clears throat> it's really easy to scam people in crypto um, in this space since it's still evolving and um, also because tracking someone down to their identity is rather difficult. There are no KYCs or other, other such, you know, uh, methods in which you can verify a person's identity. So how do you manage to do that at Elliptic? Yeah, and so it's a, it's a really good point. There certainly are a lot of scams in the space. Mm -hmm. You know, billions of dollars has been stolen yeah. from people uh, new to the space and even uh, that have been around a while. And that's because a lot of bad actors are trying to leverage uh, the newness mm -hmm. that a lot of people have, yeah. not understanding the red flags, etc. Uh, but a lot of those criminals don't realize that their activity is all on-chain, immutably mm -hmm. on-chain. You know, you have for a blockchain the full history of all transactions since the Genesis mm -hmm. block, which is the first block on a new blockchain Absolutely. and what that means is that if you're using software like elliptic for instance we're connecting uh, addresses and accounts on chain to off-chain identity right. now we're not doing that for the average person so we're not trying to find your addresses what we're trying mm -hmm. to look at is for a dark market for instance what addresses are related to them for coinbase what addresses are related to them mm. um, and we can do that by secretly interacting with bad actors so we're in telegram yeah. groups with dodgy people they don't know it's us but we're there we're looking at <laughs> on-chain yeah. transactions and the patterns mm. there's a lot of data you can get from the kind of raw transactions it's very wow. nerdy uh, we use a lot of
of machine learning and data science mm -hmm. for that. And so that allows us to be able to say who is involved in a lot of these yeah. transactions, which means that imagine you're a criminal and you've mm -hmm. done a load of dodgy activity. Maybe you've, um, we'll say something really bad, you've uh, sold weapons on the dark market. Mm -hmm. Now you've got maybe a lot of Bitcoin. Well, that's not really useful to you. You want cash, you want fiat money. And so you're probably going to try and move that Bitcoin onto an exchange. Mm -hmm. Now, the moment you do that using our software for that exchange, let's say it's Coinbase, if they're using mm -hmm. our software, when that person deposits into Coinbase, Coinbase is going to get an alert that basically says, hang mm -hmm. on, that person mm -hmm. got those funds from a dark market. Yeah. So Coinbase can then contact the relevant law enforcement because they'll have mm -hmm. KYC for that customer. You have Absolutely. to have that on most exchanges now. So we're mm -hmm. the, the kind of the, the link between the on-chain activity okay. and then any uh, KYC that maybe the exchanges or uh, whatever provider is collecting. Mm, quite a bit of undercover work going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. So um, I'm sure that this isn't your first project or this isn't the very beginning of your career. What were you doing before Elliptic and how did you transition from Web 2 to Web 3? Yeah, so I actually got in the space back in 2015. So I've been around for Long quite back. a while. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few bull and bear markets, that's uh, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, so I actually started my career in banking. So TradFi, you know, 100% Web2 life. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked there very much in a kind of digital capacity. I was part of a team which was looking at creating digital products. And I mm -hmm. created there um, a website to teach people about digital trends and new technology. So very mm -hmm. in line actually with my current role which is all around yeah. education uh, but I decided after you know, a couple of years I wanted to move into the industry full-time so joined a startup which uh, was doing lending and borrowing in the crypto space um, really interesting use case and mission then uh, from there uh, joined a company which was looking at cold storage trading, uh, something which there's now quite a bit of buzz around. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, found myself in Elliptic in 2019, I think it was. So I've been mm -hmm. here for a couple of years now. Uh, was very uh, enticed by the mission of basically stopping criminals using yeah. crypto, because that mm -hmm. was one thing when I was in banking, I was the, mm -hmm. the rogue graduate running around saying, hey, HSBC, <laughs> do you want to uh, create these crypto products? And of course, anyone yeah. senior there was saying to me, like, one, who is this graduate? And two, why is she talking about magic internet money? Mm. So I had quite a, a quite a challenge trying to persuade them at that point that crypto wasn't yeah. just used by criminals, which then fit perfectly when the opportunity to join Elliptic came. Because I was like, mm. yes, I've been trying to tell people mm. for ages that it's not all criminals. It would be yeah. good to have your data to try and do that more effectively. Mm. So, uh, yeah, joined Elliptic back in 2019. Wow, sounds pretty amazing. What a journey. So uh, from then to now, I'm sure there have been a lot of massive changes, but what are the most notable changes according to you that happened in this industry from 2015 to now? So I think the big one is um, when I joined the industry and I was trying to learn about crypto, I was reading white papers, like the, the technical yeah. white papers. Uh, I have a maths degree. So luckily for me, that was accessible. Um, yeah. 
there was you know mainly forums is how you kind of talk mm -hmm. to people there weren't all these crypto publications there definitely weren't you know reports and explainers and uh, now when I look at the industry whilst there's certainly a lot of information for people I think it's never been easier to learn about crypto because there's videos there's courses now I mean we yeah. don't have that when I joined uh, there's infographics you know there's stuff mm -hmm. that isn't just a, a technical white paper which is just full of formulae so I think that's been a really big change the other difference is definitely the the media attention when I first got into crypto you would never see like in the BBC or CNN or, or anyone like that talking about crypto whereas now you know the industry has its challenges as it always does and it's front page news across the world you know I have my gran getting in contact with me and she's like I'm hearing crypto's gone wrong again is everything okay and I'm like how are you hearing about this uh, but it makes you know front page news so with that additional awareness comes you know fantastic opportunity for people across the world seeing the benefits of crypto and, and blockchain technology but also brings scrutiny from Mm. regulators it brings uh, additional attention from criminals who seek to use it as well so it's a bit of a double-edged sword that increase uh, mainstream awareness but because there's more uh, kind of education than has ever been before it means that there's more people learning about the opportunity and, and more that they can do to learn about it which is exciting absolutely um also tara there are a lot of um i'm sure that the content is obviously overloaded uh about the web free blockchain and crypto space but apart from that um i have also seen like a mushrooming of web three projects um a lot of them do have uh, are offering solutions to problems that were in the space but a lot of that is just noise so if you have to differentiate between a project that is in fact, um, just a bogus project and something and a project that will for sure do do well. How would you do that? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, it's actually not a new problem for the industry. So in 2017 and 2018, we had the ICO boom and bust. Yeah. So it's where every company was trying to create a token. And mm -hmm. most of them, you looked at it and thought, you don't need a token. That doesn't make sense. But everyone wanted to raise money. So they'd be yeah. like, oh, I'm I'm building a new library somewhere. We have book token. And you're like, you don't need that. Um, or I'm opening up a fast food restaurant and we're going to have like burger token. And you're like, so I think a you know big yeah. part of analyzing whether a project is successful in the crypto space is really asking like do you need crypto in general like do you need a token if you're going to build it on a blockchain do you need it to be built on a blockchain there are so many companies who uh, I look at and I'm like you could achieve that with a centralized database a blockchain yeah. adds nothing for you you're just using it as a hype there's a lot of blockchain-based gaming, for instance. I saw um, something the other day called Sleepagotchi, which is a sleep-to-earn model. You're like paid in these like, NFTs to kind of sleep. And I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I have a Fitbit and that tells me about my sleep. <laughs> you want to get paid in like this tiny little, like, oh, I don't know if that, like, really? Do you need crypto yeah. for that? Does that make sense? Uh, and I think, you know, if Pokemon Go, for instance, was to be invented today, they'd probably try and find some way to attach NFTs to it. Did we need that back in, what was it, like 2017 or whatever, Pokemon Go, <laughs> yeah. 2016 was the craze? No, we didn't. We didn't need that and everyone loved it. And so I think for me, when I'm looking at a project, first of all, I'd definitely try and get down to the tech level because I'm a massive nerd. So any new blockchain, I'm like going in and trying to understand what consensus mechanism are you using, you know, 
what kind of high level tech is your plan? What's your TPS going to be? Is that sustainable? I'm kind of going into the weeds for new blockchains. But with projects, the, the first question I ask is like, do you need to be a Web3 project? Or yeah. are you just a Web2 project that's tacking on some crypto to make yeah. yourself basically more attractive to funders and, yeah. and to try and kind of bring the community in? So I think that's the big question to like really seriously ask when you're looking yeah. at a new project in the space. And for most of them, the answer is no. You don't need any element of crypto whatsoever. Yeah. I think a good um, maybe example is like Starbucks has their Odyssey, which is essentially they're digitalizing the whole stamp that you collect when you buy a coffee. Yeah. Does that need to be built on a block? Do you need that as an NFT? Like, are people really gonna in 20 yeah. years be like, oh, look at this NFT that I got buying the coffee? Well, I don't, I don't really think that is going to be yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it's about looking really critically about what does Web3 actually bring to this project. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you have to point out a few projects in the space that are in fact solving real world problems, then what would they be? So I, I think um, one of the really good ones that I've liked for ages, um, which has just a really clear use case is around provenance and it's uh, Everledger. So there mm -hmm. is a huge issue with blood diamonds uh, collected from mines uh, that are, you know, really bad practice, they're unsustainable uh, in the way they're kind of impacting uh, the, the world. And so what Everledger does is they basically have kind of mine to ring tracing of diamonds. So each diamond, and I'm not a diamond expert, but has uh, characteristics that make it unique. Yeah. You can also like um, laser engrave like numbers in the middle yeah. and stuff for tracking. And what Everledger does is using the blockchain and the idea of immutability on a blockchain they kind of input the diamond credentials essentially and you can track the diamond the whole way through from you know mine to ring and make sure that you aren't buying a blood diamond yeah. and that really makes sense to use a blockchain for the immutability aspect to allow kind of anyone to be able to upload that data so provenance as an idea really makes sense uh, in yeah. in kind of the space Provenance also sometimes doesn't make sense where you have a single entry point for that data and you're like, mm. well, if that person's corrupt, then they'll just say, this is not a blood diamond. Um, <laughs> so, you know, every kind of use case can have its pros and cons depending how that part of the system is designed. I think for me, the the big one that I'm certainly interested in and um, wrote you know 50 page report on it uh, is the metaverse. So, mm. you know, I have uh, Oculus Quest headset. I have used spatial and kind of centralized metaverses before. But I love the idea of having my wearables, being able to at some point port them between different metaverses, but like own them. Like they are my wearables. If I have that land, it is my land. And so the ownership element there and the, the decentralized ownership element really makes sense for me from a metaverse perspective. So that is a really good use case, I think anyway, for building on top of a blockchain. Gaming, there's, uh, I'm like obsessed with Avagotchi, which is like a play to earn uh, kind of uh, game all based on like these cute little ghosts, which NFTs and the team there has been really good at just embracing loads of crypto ideas. So um, there's been obviously all sorts of wearables and land, etc. but they've used a lot of blockchain native models of like auctions using random number generators and um there was this cool uh play to like, or explore to earn drop where they had all these which were erc20s and uh, they came as like little gems on the map and you just had to wander around find them and where you were mm. collecting was erc20s and uh they have all, all sorts of cool stuff where the team has clearly sat down and thought well, how does a blockchain work 
how do yeah. crypto assets work? Okay, how can we use them in our game? As opposed mm. to a lot of projects think, okay, we must have a token. Let's figure out a way to find, like <laughs> squeeze a token in this game yeah. somewhere. And so I think Avogotchi's been really good at just being incredibly web three first about their approach to things and really embracing the tech. But yeah, for every one project that is doing it right, there's at least 20 that are doing it quite questionably. Yeah, sure. Um, so you said a very valid point while you were talking about it, um, that every technology or use case has its own pros and cons. So if you had to enlist some of the cons that the blockchain technology still has and developers or creators might want to work on it going forward, what would they be? So I think that the main one is just that the technology is still so new that we don't have standards. Or, or I suppose we're starting to develop standards, but you have you know, EVM blockchains, which seem to mm -hmm. be reigning supreme. And then you've got kind of WebAssembly as uh, a competing one. And that splits the developer community in terms of you know, what do you build on? What skills do you develop if you're getting into the space? Um, and I don't think we need one to win, but that is a challenge when you're thinking, what ecosystem should I launch my project on? Do you build it on Ethereum because it has a really large community of developers and um, kind of retail community buying in? Do you build it on Solana because it's got a really high TPS, but then it hasn't got as big a community and at some point yeah. it's probably going to break again and, and have a chain halt. So I think that's what's really challenging uh, and a problem for the ecosystem and new players coming in is there's so much choice there's so many different ways things are built. How do you choose? Like even again with the metaverse, there's so many different metaverses. Yeah. If you're a brand like Disney or Coca-Cola and you want to build a space in the metaverse, which mm. one do you choose? Very you know, it's kind of like having 10 different internets and trying to figure out which one, you know, your, your website's in as it were. And so I think that's the biggest challenge at the moment. But I don't think that's a challenge that is insurmountable. And actually, I think it's just a challenge of an industry that's still growing and developing and trying stuff out. So I think what we will have is more kind of consensus and convergence about key technologies and which ecosystems survive. Um, I'm definitely a um, proponent of the kind of multi-blockchain thesis. I don't yeah. think there will be one chain to rule them all. Um, but there's what, 22,000 crypto assets right now right. there will be a lot less by the end of this year <laughs> in terms of like active ones uh, mm. there will be many that kind of survive and or many that die there will be many blockchains that don't exist yeah. in a year and some will be created this year and I think that comes with innovation is a lot of things that people are trying a lot of things won't work um, yeah. and just a big challenge for developers and people in the ecosystem trying to choose where to, yeah. to build on. Absolutely. Um, getting back to Elliptic, um, are there any success stories that you have to share um, about, you know, any ill participants that you were able to catch or maybe big monies that you were able to track? Yeah, so I think um, the big one for us has actually been uh, not necessarily in a specific story, but a, a pretty radical approach at how uh, we've recently built our um, like the next level of our technology. So um, there's been uh, we did a report a little while ago which showed that 4.1 billion dollars worth of funds uh, of illicit linked funds had been essentially laundered and obscured through things like bridges, atomic cross chain swaps, dexes, decentralized exchanges, and that's basically the criminals trying to use these obfuscation techniques to hide the fact that the money is dirty yeah. and 4.1 billion is 
you know, that's a big number. <laughs> um, and certainly, you know, worrying when you think that uh, 1.5 billion, for instance, of funds linked to the Lazarus Group from North Korea went through tornado cash. That's uh, one of the contributing factors to it being sanctioned. And so we know that people, criminals, are trying to use obfuscation techniques to get crypto either linked illicit sources or using it for illicit sources and they're trying to hide through these obfuscation techniques and so what we did is kind of really take a bit of a radical approach at thinking well we live in a multi-asset world a multi-blockchain world there's more connections across these blockchains how do we basically track that how do we make sure that you, you can't swap from die to USDC and you kind of lose the, the blockchain police off that trail. And so what we built was something called holistic as a technology that allows us to look cross chain, cross asset, multi blockchain approach. Now, the way I like to describe this is uh, imagine you're in like a police chase and you're you've got the criminal in, in a car in front and you're chasing in the police car behind. Now, what they might do is they kind of pull down another street and try and lose you or they might get out of one car and get into the next to try and lose you. Um, and sometimes that can be really effective if you do that and, and the police can't keep up. And what we've essentially built is like the helicopter above. So they, you know, change lanes and we're like, yeah, we, we still see you. Or they get in a different car and we're like, yeah, we still see you. And so by having this approach where we're looking across all chains and all assets and we're watching those bridges when you try and like hop across them to hide your illicit activity, yeah, basically means with a helicopter above you, just watching that criminal going, and there you are. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we've we've seen you. Uh, and I think that's really important because we're seeing more criminals trying to use bridges and DEXs to hide their illicit activity. And what we don't want as an industry is those really great services being polluted by bad actors because eventually they will get shut down by law enforcement. If you think of Tornado Cash, for instance, because it was so heavily used by North Korea, mm -hmm. OFAC, the Office of Foreign Asset Control in the US, sanctioned tornado cash which you know didn't 100 stop north korea but it made it very much more difficult for them to use that as a service to essentially cash out uh, their crypto from but what it also did is it meant that people that were using tornado cash to say donate to charity or receive their salary or all sorts of perfectly legitimate use cases suddenly couldn't use that because it was a sanctioned service. And mm -hmm. so what we want to do is make it really hard for crypto criminals to use decentralized exchanges, bridges, whatever it may be, so that people that are using them legitimately can continue to do that. And so that's why I think holistic as an approach is so important because it both catches the bad guys, but also starts removing them from the ecosystem and cutting off those tools of being used for illicit kind of services and illicit behavior. Absolutely. Well, great story, man. And the analogy where you could always see the thief from a bird's eye view was great. Um, so is there any technology or development that you're really excited about that is let's say about to launch or something? So I think for us, um, a big thing that we're doing is adding lots of blockchain support. Um, we support now, I think, something like 25 different kind of core blockchains, but thousands of assets that are built on top of them. And I think that's really key because, again, you know, it just means that you can change from a car to a bus, a car to a bike, and we're still going to watch you. Um, yeah. So that, I think, is, is really important, is growing that kind of ecosystem of assets that we support. But I think for us, the, the key thing we're trying to do 
is efficiency because one of the the challenges across the industry and as you said at the top of the call is there's so many people being scammed and falling prey to this kind of crypto crime and the challenge for you know anyone in the space whether you're an exchange a payment service provider maybe you just you know are staking whatever it may be is trying to keep up with all these criminals and so mm -hmm. if every time there's a crypto crime you have to do this laborious task of you know mm -hmm. building up a massive graph following the flow of funds if you have to do that you know zach xpt for instance recently with um, i think the harmony bridge hacker yeah uh, spent he said he spent 12 hours building up this investigation that's a lot of time for one yeah. crypto crime, a big crypto crime, don't get me wrong, but that's a lot of time. And so what we're trying to do is think not just on the technology level like holistic, but what can we do that basically helps you catch the criminals really quickly? So instead yeah. of having to build a massive graph, why don't we just build that for you at a really quick click? If we can see there's someone moving funds and they've maybe used, you know, sometimes they can use three hops, Sometimes mm. they can use like 40,000 hops programmatically. Mm. Well, you don't need to plot each one of those. We'll just mm. go through that for you and say the funds end up here. Mm. So for us, I think the big part of our mission in trying to stop crypto criminals is how do we make people's lives really efficient so they can do it with as few clicks as possible and crucially do it even when the criminals try to deploy sophisticated techniques mm. like using mixers or bridges, et cetera. So I think for yeah. me, we do a lot of really cool technology stuff, don't get me wrong, but actually the efficiency is key when there's such high levels of crypto crime. And we know that law enforcement and regulators just don't have the time to look into every single one of them. But if we can make every case effectively much easier to investigate, they'll be able to get through a lot more. They'll be able to prosecute a lot more kind of crypto crime, uh, crypto criminals. Absolutely. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, my last question would be, um, if you could explain what blockchain technology means to a five-year-old, how would you do that? Yeah, the classic question. And um, <laughs> so I don't often have to Everyone. do it to a five-year-old, but I get yeah. it. Um, my gran asks me all the time and a lot of my friends, I've I mean, tried to tell them about crypto for years and occasionally they'll be like, okay, try, but what, what is blockchain? Um, but I had, I think, the most relevant experience when... Um, I had a friend at my house and her daughter was there and I think her daughter's like seven or something and she was like what are you doing I said oh, I'm working she said what, what are you working on so you know the, the 10 million questions you get for kids and I said well uh bitcoin she's like what's that and obviously <laughs> I was like magic internet money um and so we we kind of got around about talking uh, about value and the fact that if you want to go and buy and I don't need, like using sweets because kids should have healthy eating habits so if you want to go and buy some apple rings let's say from the shop your mm -hmm. parent or guardian will give you some physical coins that you go and and give the shopkeeper and now they have and that shopkeeper will kind of write that down or it will go into a computer about the fact that you've bought this and now the money is theirs and i always describe blockchain as uh, basically the ability to do that but instead of the shopkeeper keeping a record themselves because what happens if they lose a piece of paper or there's a power cut and then they can't get on their computer um, instead of just one person writing it down lots of people are writing down and watching what happens which means that when you go and buy those apple rings imagine if lots of people in the shop write down oh that person bought some apple rings and now the the one pound that was with that little girl is now with the shopkeeper and that's really I think the most important thing about the blockchain it's the fact that 
the decentralized element of it. You know, you can get into all the nitty gritty of consensus mechanisms and elliptic curve cryptography and all that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. fundamentally, the big part of it is that it is a digital form of cash, uh, just like Bitcoin's white paper, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. That was the title. And it's moving away from a centralized model, like a bank, to yeah everyone being able to see what's going on and anyone can write it down just like if you are wandering around the shop buying some biscuits you can write it down you can see what's going on and anyone can see that so I think that's how uh, when people try and say what is it instead of going into you know a one-hour presentation which I do very regularly uh, to a lot of our clients and prospects instead I think that's the most important thing to understand is that you have lots of people writing down what's happening but fundamentally whether it's Bitcoin, it's Ether, it's USDC, it doesn't matter. You're just moving value from someone to someone and writing that down so anyone can see who owns what, where and when. Absolutely. What a great elevator pitch for blockchain technology. <laughs> great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tara. And I had a great time interviewing you, talking to you, just chit-chatting. Hope we can meet again for a lot more podcasts. But before you go, I do have a slight request. Um, we, uh, ask our you, we ask our interviewees to say, I am the voice of crypto, because the idea of our channel is to have as many guests as possible and get as many voices out there as possible and just um, make the space a lot more uh, connected. So if you could please say that for our viewers, that'll be great. I am the voice of crypto. Thank you so much. It was a great chat and thanks again for joining. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It was great to speak to you.